Hi, this is the Lady Barnard with the, another show called The Diary, the podcast show called The Diary. I want to greet you in peace, love and blessings and I thank you guys for popping in here to listen to this podcast today. It's been a while. It is um, almost quarter to 11 p.m. in London Bridge and it's uh, still the 6th of April 2021. Yes, thank you for joining me. Hi, um, I'm so glad to be here. Today we're going to do a little podcast um, called um, White Supremacy. What it is and what the perception is of it, uh, as well as what it is factually and functionally. And also how people can get it confused sometimes. So I'm going to try my best you know hopefully you guys will tell me if i'm spot on or not to deconstruct it because it seems as individuals especially as melanated being that we also get it wrong even though we are not the uh um beneficiaries of the system um so i suppose because we are not the beneficiaries that we should understand it most, you know. You would assume, you know, but that would be wrong to assume that the people who benefit from it the most, people and industries, would understand it. But we will explain why that is, that there's this this nonchalantness, you know, when it comes to understanding something that prevails or privileges us, you know, and why the person that is... Um, under its neck and boots you know under its pressure would understand it more fully because it's more prominent you know in a in a painful negative sense you know that 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 would be what we kind of would understand what i sometimes have noticed as well is when we have in this talkative discussion stages we tend to be um, with other European people, Caucasian people or white people, when we are in black stages or black pages or around black groups and there is Caucasian um, slash European slash white people in the mix, we tend to, the discussion tend to turn a little sour because what happens is the system called white supremacy to me has I can see it as a as a as a system in itself which is an entity that moves on its own that have little pocket and functions here and there so you can look at it as the full body and then the body has certain functions that work collectively and thus individually to make this one unit of a person of a body basically this body it gives this body um function movement sight sound sensory things you know and then it also gives itself emotional things you know and clarity and brain function and and our heart rate and blood flow and circulation and uh and all of these you know intricate things not to get too too biological with it what tend to also happen as you can look at it as a tree you know that's rooted that has a stem that has branches that has smaller branches of those branches and then has little leaves or flowers or stuff like that you know and fruit 
and it's an entity that can um, sustain itself, you know, um, perpetuate itself and regrow itself and, and, and sustain itself. And so I find that sometimes black people also don't understand why they do what they do. But what I have come and my conclusion is from watching these group stages and being involved in this group and stages that black people tend to um, not have great discussions when they have white people in their mix when they discuss white supremacy they tend to get sidetracked but like Toni Morrison said the fundamental reasons for racism is to keep us distracted and keep us distracted from the important work that we should still do so um now, there will always be another explanation and another why and another this, another and the, another mediocrity to get us away from what's the important work and that's to deconstruct it, you know. And so sometimes when we have these talkative spaces, we sit around these tables. I'm telling you, the most common of European will come in there with their feelings of how they don't understand this disunity and and how they teach their children not to see race, how they don't see race. Remember, they're in black spaces feeling much comfortable because there's a history for that comfort, you know. They sit in black spaces feeling ultimately very comfortable to tell us the mediocrity of how they feel when it comes to racism and white supremacy. This is what we call, I think, this is what we call uh, fragility under whiteness, which is, a, which is a gaslight maneuver, you know, of the highest order, if I have to say so. You know, it's a, it's, it's a typical um, argumentative folly, you know. I mean, literally, in that, in that one go, you can have at least one to 15 argument fallacies in one go, one conversation that will go on there because of cognitive dissonance, cognitive dissonance. And so my problem is not really white people in these spaces, even though they are there um, to antagonize, even though they claim they're there for peace. But what we actually need them to be, the fact that they come in there stating their allies is already an annoyance. Black people don't need allyship. We never did need allyship. Not in this struggle. No, no, no. We don't want people in, other people in this damn struggle. We want to be out of this bitch, you know. Basically, as the urban saying go, we want to be out of this bitch, you know. We want to have equity and have equality. That's the least we are asking for. We're not even asking for our biological right to be the, the, the children of the sun. And to be as those beings you know, that the sun would recognize. We're not even asking for our birthright. We're just asking for the equality. And the fact that we're asking plays into the system itself. We should not even be bothered to, we should just take what is ours, what is the right, what has always been our right, what has always been ours. But that's another topic for another day. What happens is, if you are a black person and you don't understand the configuration and the movements and the past history and also the nuances of white supremacy, you will always get the systemic 
and the systematicness of white supremacy and racism wrong. I mean, Nellie Fuller put it out beautifully in the compensatory, you know, um, united compensatory of racism code. Um, He put it out beautifully. God knows why I had to choose such a long, tongue-twisted title. But beautifully it was put out. I mean, and, and every scholar before and after, starting with David Walker in the 19th and the early 19th century with um, the appeal to that he wrote to to people on plantations, you know, and directly to, um, as oppositions to John Thomas Jefferson. We hear the kind of language that is used in opposition, you know, the call to arms, the call to rebuke the system. The call to rebuke this 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 coat of this coat of slavery, this coat of enslavement, this coat of mental degradation. You know, we see that happen constantly, and the excellence of our scholars that actually go about trying to deconstruct the system, coming into the civil rights movement, and coming then into uh, the post-structural movement of the Pan Africans and thus pro-black um, activists and people of color and melanated people discussing this. There's a lot of established knowledge about white supremacy, white privilege, which is thus a, a child of the system. It's systemic. There's other um, systemic branches um, that is all around this beautiful tree systematically. You know, because the tree is, the whole tree is the systematic, you know, um, um, system. And then you have the systemic, you know, and then you have uh, systematicness of it, you know. The systemicness comes in form of law, comes in form of um, law and judiciary, comes in form of the executive branch, comes in forms of constitutions, come in form of borders and immigration, comes in form of health, wealth, and social care. I mean, health and social care, and thus the uh, appropriation of an intergenerational wealth, you know, redlining, like I said, laws. Um, all of these things play uh, play a major factor, and thus religion and faith. Um, there's quite a few other things if I missed anything but I think there's about eight structures you know Um, and within that structures there is a systemicness um, there is um, um, systematicness forgive me systematicness that plays that has nuances within that you know little branches there and I think the reason why black people get confused because they're in company when they discuss this with European people that bring their fragility in that comes from a cognitive framework, that comes from a privilege of that they can now be seen as the ones that are least likely to be racist from their counterparts and thus from their past, which we all know that they are not responsible for how this thing's 
you know, they are not now responsible for how this thing has started, but they are the beneficiaries of it. And thus the ignorance perpetuate the fluidity of this system. And I will repeat that, you know, it perpetuate the fluid movements of the system and the fact that it sustains itself to the fact where it doesn't even need their consciousness. It just needs them to be as unconscious as fuck and play into that, obviously, making denial and claims that they know no such privilege and that they work really hard and pay their taxes and that's what every law-abiding citizen should do. The fact that they now group collect us, you know... It's a form of gaslighting and it's also a form of ignorance or ignorance more likely, you know. The fact of the matter is, if I am in a white uh, white stages or white groups or at a white table and we're having this discussion, I need to come in there with certain sense of validity, certain sense of black excellence of knowledge, you know. The work has to be done outside of that sphere and framework so when i go sit at those tables there's a level of knowledge now let me tell you that doesn't happen with whiteness any old pit any old john paul and pete can come and, and sit down literally and then tell us how they feel about a situation not how it really is but how they feel in their individuality and ignore black people and a whole stage of black people and a whole table and the spaces of black people telling them something just to tell us how they feel about it because they feel fragile because of another's experience because it's not theirs that in itself tells you the way they are resting and how comfortable they are telling black people what a thing is that they have never experienced in the negative and more and more <laughs> they, they, we find ourselves being in spaces where these types of people that benefit from these type of systems, you know, tells us and defines, you know, how it is when they have never experienced the negativity of such and where no future untold will ever make them understand it unless they do the work which has never been required for them to do you know there comes hearing comes the uh, um, the structural concepts and frameworks of of intersectionality patriarchy you know hierarchy you know like I said generational wealth comes in here and, and also, what is connected to all of this and what makes all of this prevalent is the enslavement and the labor taxing and the labor incentives and the free labor and emotional labor, physical labor, mental labor of black bodies, black and brown bodies. So let's not get this twisted. Their benefit comes from our disbenefit. It does not come just because it is primarily their right as a people to this land. Never such. It's not biologically so. That it's just theirs. It's just theirs. No. It came from a oppressiveness. It came from 
a land grab. It came from a violence. It came from an oppression and an oppressive system that was created. It comes from an illusion of, 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 of greatness, which was predicated by a sense of violence on every level imaginable and then sustained through a mental slavery and then further um, taken into account that it was lengthened, strengthened to the breadth of even such as laws and also the monetary function of how that oppression has been monetized and thus created a sense of a wealth which is not connected to anything substantial, you know, but basically an illusion. It's hard work creating such violence. And I can see the reason for the dissonance wanting to pop in to such an individual. I can see the dissonance because who wants to admit that this is what your people are and this is what your forefathers have done and this is the laws that you upheld and this is what you get your benefit from. Who in their right mind wants to admit to that? So yes, as black people, I can see that. But what these white bodies does in black productive spaces, trying to teach black people, you know, their past the middle passage, and thus the, the way forward is to come and corrupt such with their fragility and causing a sense of internal emotional trauma, which comes out of those plantation slavery. Definitely the way we have to address good white folk. And the confusion of good white folk should also be laid to rest and cut open, gutted like a pig, cut it open so my people can see what it is. Just shit and a lot of shit, you know. That's all it is. There's no such thing as good white folk. What there is, is those folk who want to live in a world that's more balanced and equal of a system that's corroding and corrupting their whole souls. Those individuals, those white people that are adjacent to the abolition of the system, adjacent, that's adjacent to our, our attempts to break the system, the co-conspirators, those are the only white people that we will allow in productive stages of revolution. If you are an ally and you are a person who sleeps black, a white person who sleeps black, a white person who are friendly with black people, and a white person who feels that they suffer the same as black people, and that we are all one, and that you don't see color, and that it's just the government's fault, we really don't need you in our movements, in our tables, and in our spaces. We really don't. We need you to go sit your asses down somewhere in what neighborhood you are, love the black people you're around with in your fakeness 
And while you sit back and watch the system eat away at the emotional fabricate fabric of my people, you can just sit your ass down like your ancestors do and reap the benefits while also um, emotionally withdraw from my people in their friendships to you. And while they cannot withdraw the same amount back from what you take from them. So we suggest you go sit on your porches, love your friends, fake love, and do absolutely nothing for this movement. But what we are not going to allow is having those type of people sitting on spaces and telling us anything and expecting us now to stop what we're doing, discuss, to modicoli them. Fuck no. And I mean this. Fuck no. You're a co-conspirator. That means you understand the systemicness of the situation and you also understand the systematics of it. You understand how it works. You understand that you're in a position of power. You understand that in order to support and be a co-conspirator, you need to open up and make available to black people the resources that you have in your skin privilege and thus in your institutionalized privilege and thus also um, open the way to make this equal, to get rid of the system because we know that you're serious, to protect black and brown bodies against the violence that's enacted through laws and judiciary and emotional abuse that happens with the adjacentness or nearness, I won't say adjacent, the nearness to whiteness simply because they are black. That is your role. That is what we expect. That is what we would appreciate. That is what we need. And I, I clear as daylight, need white people who hear this. This is what we need from you. We need you to help us break institutional racism, break institutional um Wage gaps, for instance, the biases in hiring, the bias in firing, you know, and the labor, the emotional taxing labor that's put on black and brown bodies. That's what we need you to help see and eradicate and speak up. It's going to cost you. It's not something you can just say, love all, peace in this world. It's going to cost you. The system is going to hurt you because of that. And I mean, it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you. It might cost you. But that is the price you pay if you truly love someone. You will suffer for them. Because what black people have shown that we are ready to suffer for you. And we have suffered for you. Look where you are today because what what we as black people have brought to the table. Not only our resources are in our black and brown bodies in our black and brown intelligence, in our black and brown resources, in our black land, and in what we build, and the institutions, our faiths, our history, our spirituality. I mean, man, you name it, blacks have put it forth. And haven't you just benefit of that? So, if this is going to cause you a severe seizure of fragility, then I suggest, you know, just pop a pain pill 
pop a paracetamol. Sit your ass the fuck down. Stop the drama. If anybody needs to be dramatic, yeah, should be me. The fuck? You know, considering what we've been through, I am tired of this. I don't fuck around with white people who don't have that initial intelligence when it comes to the system. Listen, yeah, if you don't understand what black people are saying, if you get fragile because they are telling the damn truth, then I suggest you shut the fuck down. Put some sellotape around that mouth of yours because I swear to God, you're not invited in this space. You're not invited in black spaces then. Fucking ticket revoke. Stay your ass where you at. Stay, stay your ass where the whiteness are, man. You're good there. Because number one, what you can do, you can take your black ass, you can take your white ass to those white stages, white tables, and go tell and go educate those people. That's what you can do. Educate your people. Like we are over here educating our people. That's what we can do. That's what it means to be a co-conspirator. And to all my white people who are abolitionists, who are co-conspirators, invaluable, I'm telling you. Invaluable. These are now the people that can come to stages, black stages, and tell us, look, this is what I can do. This is what I have done. And this is how far we've gotten. So tell me where you're at. And then I can measure up to where I am. And then I can see what I still need to do for you. Or this is as far as I can go, you know. But I might know somebody who knows somebody and show us how they know somebody, you know. I think people would always ask in these spaces, what can they do as white people? They sit in these black spaces, you know. They take up so much room and then ask us to teach them. I'm like... No, no, no. What you need to do, listen. That's teaching in itself. Us talking right here is an act of love and labor for our people. But you can also catch, you can catch a drift. Spend your money, your dollar, and a black-owned business. At least once a damn month, do that. Support religiously. Make it a habit. That's the best thing you can do, the first thing you can do, and the most easiest thing you can do under the system. Secondly, what you can do with your black work college, uh, colleagues, you can share your pay information so that that black person can determine if their pay is being discriminated against because of their color. You can make that available to let your black and brown brothers and sisters know that you are dead serious to bring them to equality. So they can take this to management and have a valid claim because pay, um, because payment in workplaces can be, a, can be a private thing. But you are the only person who can make that public your salary. You know, and then that information can be used to for the betterment of your colleagues. I can also help them to 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 open the playing field, to get the unions involved. You know, uh, you know, there's many other things that you can do, but these are simple things. You can mentor or you can volunteer to pay administration fees for, for, for young 16 and 18-year-olds and that go into um, colleges, you know, 
to pay for their um, applications, application forms for for postgraduate and, and graduates. And, you know, you can pay for that. You can volunteer to pay for that. I mean, considering how much it costs entry fees, you know, support their traveling fees, you know, support little things that they do. You know, make life a little easier. I mean, do a mentorship of finance. Let's start with the economy. Let's start with the economics of it all first and foremost. I mean, think about it. That is co-conspirativeness right there economically. Because let's face it, inherently, the wealth is being hoarded by a percentage of people that looks nothing like myself and looks everything like your white self so what can you do and we don't expect you in your ordinariness and commonness and everyday life to go spend millions like a philanthropist no we can make a difference we're building generational wealth the same way it's been built with you the same way you can help build it with us you're a co-conspirator you know you are an abolitionist. You are a revolutionist. You know, you want the system gone, remember? You want to see your brothers and sisters as, as equal. And you also want equity for them. This is what you want, remember? This is what you want. This is what you want. Let me say that again. This is what you want when you claim allyship to us. Not the fact that we, uh, not the fact that we just want your love. No, you can keep your love, you know, but we want the other things that you got as well. I mean, if we're not going to get the other things, then you can keep your love, you know. If you're going to keep your money and you're still going to be quiet about the way you earn your salary compared to your black and brown bodies that work around you, then you are no ally of us. Definitely not. If you're no ally in the medical field, if you don't support the statistics, that means that black women are being discriminated against in these um, medical uh, fields. If you're not there to rectify that, if you're not there to rectify the laws, if, if you're not a lawyer that predominantly helps black and brown bodies, if you are not one of those people that will jump in where they see injustices happening with the police and socially, then I have n- we've got no need for you. You know, you can go sit over there with the people that causes us harm. You know, and we can rid of your asses too eventually the closer the sun gets to the earth. You know, but you're not going to claim allyship simply because you love us or simply because you lay down with us. No, we had enough of that. You know, remember, the slave master used to lay with us too. It doesn't mean he gave us any of that money. It doesn't mean he even on his deathbed freed us. No, he just passed us on to his damn children and creating recreational freaking mental slavery while freeing you, your white ass. Well, you understand where I'm going with this. This is going to be a long podcast, but let's explain and get it. This is just simpleton language for simpleton people who think they can sit in white spaces, talk white privilege, and don't even understand it themselves what it is. Now, I can understand where black people come from. 
But this is also a predicator that we have issues as the black community. And when we hold these spaces where we ask our white people privilege, yeah, yeah, come on now. You should, if you are an, an abolitionist, you should come in there, not with a yes, but you should come in there to tell us exactly how that happens. Not tell us you're not sure, you don't think. Because what the hell is privilege? We're talking white privilege now. It's a specific thing. It's got nothing to do with, um, you know, that we all pay tax and we all, you know, good neighborliness. Fucking hell. Can we just get real? Man, I just, I don't know. This just get me really fired up. Because it just wastes such a lot of time dealing with white people in spaces that they don't belong in because they're not abolitionist, they're not revolutionist, they have no knowledge, and this white privilege give birth to this stupid fragility, which is which is irritating the hell out of me. You know, we have to deal with our own people's mental slavery, and then we have these white lot thinking that they're so privileged that their white tears should sway us and all it does is cause confusion and this white adjacency to come in just to coddle them and waste what that is that's time waste and to all black people that are so adjacent to this tears and so adjacent to this emotions that they bring into these spaces you all can sit your asses down with them too you know we are here to discuss something serious, educate ourselves, all of us, me included, to get to the logic, functionality of what white supremacy is and all its systemic branches, you know, to make up that systematicness of the situation. So if you are not there for that, you don't need to speak at all. Because number one, if I am in white spaces, we are talking this. What I'm not going to do is center myself without the protection of these abolitionists that has created the space specifically for me to speak. And when anybody comes with their bullshit, they will be the ones to jump in there and to, to shield me from such privileged ignorances. Yeah? This is what abolitionists does. They create spaces, they make little ways, they make it easy for us to do what we need to do. Do not come into our spaces and make the shit harder by confusing us with your quagmire feelings. We're not interested in that. We're not interested in, in, in trotting through sludge. We want a clear way, you know, it's time. It's been hundreds of years now. I don't want my children to still deal with the with with uh, systemic and systematic racism. You know, I don't want my children to still talk about it, like we don't know what the hell it is. We know what it is. We got a history. We have a predicator for that. We have a history, and we had scholarship to break it down and give us the words for it. Where is the Negro slave? Colored folks never had the perfect words for it. We have the words for it now. The fact that we are still fucking talking about it is ridiculous. We should have been at arms and getting rid of this damn system and that 1% who puts us all in this position where we all are um, ignorant of of. Of, of a greater thing, of a greater entity that controls us. 
Now that doesn't give me any reason to continue or act out my ignorance and the fact that it gives you the right to act out your ignorance of a situation should tell you there's a privilege in that and uh, with that this is the lady barnard with the diary um, and i greet you all my black people and all my co-conspirator white people in love peace and blessings you know and uh, and all the coconut all you can you can find to slap onto yourself because it's that time skin needs to be drenched you know we need to stay calm take a breath you know and and the work continues you know it's always a labor thing with black people you know it's always labor taxing so we need to take this time to rest because it's going to pop up again tomorrow so i greet you in love peace and blessing and i'm out and thank you for listening to me in this podcast called white supremacy and white privilege thank you i'm out